Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast, our Scares and Dares episode, where we review our favorite horror movie scare of the week and give you the NFL player prop that we dare to make. My name is Hakun Wong, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time, and with me as always for our Scares and Dares episode, senior staff writer, Joanne Kong. How are you doing, man? Good. Hey, everyone. All right. And as usual... Uh, we are going to have plenty to talk about because, of course, this is getting close to Super Bowl 58. So we got some up bets for you in Super Bowl 58. And we got our Scare of the Week, which is the 2023 movie, The Puppet Man. So with that said, let's get this rolling. All right, as usual, we'll start with the Scare of the Week, which, again, is the 2023 movie, The Puppet Man, streaming on Shudder and AMC+. Now, The Puppet Man runs at a very brisk one hour and 20 minutes. I find myself saying brisk a lot uh, when talking about the run times for these movies, generally speaking, right? Yeah. Other than Terrifier 2, which was like two and a half hours or something weird, like all these movies tend to be a little bit shorter, but the hour and 20 um, I think may be appropriate for this type of movie, directed by Brandon Christensen, also written by Brandon Christensen and Ryan Christensen, produced by Matt Majoritis and Justin A. Martell. It was released in theaters very limitedly on October of 2023 and then released the streaming. Um, and it is a particularly interesting movie for a number of reasons, but we're going to get into that in a second. As usual, we'll start with a little bit of a quick summary to get everybody on board as to what happened in the movie. And then we'll tell you a little bit about how we felt about the movie. Okay, so the movie begins with a flashback, and we see that David, uh, who appears to be under some sort of mind control, trying to stop himself, um, ultimately stabbing and killing his wife, Patricia. Uh, the cops bust into the house. Um, they don't really explain why that happens at that moment, but they do. And David is arrested for murder. The cops also find David's daughter, Michael, locked up inside a cage. Uh, the media gives David the nickname the Puppet Man after David maintains his innocence, claiming that something was in control of his body when he stabbed his wife. Now, David is found guilty, awaits a, uh, in prison for his execution date, and things go on. So a decade later, Michael, David's daughter again, has, still has nightmares, which have persisted over this time, about the night her father murdered her mother. Michael also believes that her father is guilty and that his claims of possession are lies and a desperate attempt to avoid the death penalty. So she's kind of there right now. And Charlie, Michael's friend and roommate, who happens to be obsessed with the puppet man, plans a party before they leave for vacation together. Now, Michael finds out that around this time that Charlie has been filming her sleepwalking in the middle of the night and drawing a strange symbol while dragging her bloody fingers on the wall. Always a little bit creepy for someone sleepwalking. Um, Michael also finds out that Charlie even told a mystic, Joe, and her other friends, Glenn and Danny, about Michael's past and the sleepwalking episodes, even though she promised to keep it a secret. So Charlie not doing a great job on the friend scale at this point. Secretly videoing them and then sharing it with everybody you know, including a random psychic. Not great. Um, so Michael's upset, understandably, with Charlie, and things take a mysterious dark turn when something suddenly seizes control of Charlie in the middle of the night and makes her jump off the roof. 
Now, Michael begins to suspect there's more to what her dad has been claiming about possession than she once thought as her friends and everyone around her are suddenly subject to mysterious, unexplained deaths. What could it be? Okay, we'll stop there to avoid any spoilers. Um, what do you think of this movie, Joanne? Uh, you know, I was trying to remember it because we saw this a little bit ago. Yep. And the funny thing is, is that like um, after I did finally remember the movie. Sure. I have to say it was uh, a little forgettable. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty rote. I mean, like, I, I think the problem is that it had a lot of trappings of things we've seen before. Um, and, and, and I get it. It is hard to come up with something new and novel, right? Like true. In the horror genre, in any genre, really, like rom-coms, there's always a formula. And I think this movie definitely followed that formula. Well, I mean, they tried to put their own spin on it, right? Because, I mean, there was a little bit... There's a little bit of mythology there with the supernatural, yeah. Um, which they they didn't fall through 100%, but by by using the vehicle of the mystic uh, Joe, they kind of tried to explain some of the background on this to give it a little bit more weight. Um, but ultimately, I think that it did remind me in in a, in a very slight way of the Final Destination movies, and, and I don't mean that in a good way. I mean I think it just kind of had kind of made me feel that that was that's kind of where I've seen it before. Because they had kind of the, the death scenes, but not as extravagant. Uh, and the underlying story, maybe not as great. And the acting, you know, maybe not as good as well. But it's definitely one of those, one of those uh, young adult um, horror movies that, that we've seen a lot of in the last, say, 20 years or so. Yeah, definitely. It, it definitely had a, a Final Destination type of feel. And I think maybe that's why, you know, it's it was a little forgettable because it didn't capture you like Final Destination Well, does it certainly wasn't. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the gimmick of Final Destination, as we all know, is the very extravagant death scenes. Right. Um, which, which, you know, just kind of like guessing as to what of the 50 million killable things in your house is going to actually do you in, uh, and then being wrong about it because it ends up being something completely different, yes. which is the entertaining part of Final Destination. But, but I think here, I think it, it you know, since, the, since Scream came out, you know, early in, the, in, I would say, since Scream came out in the 90s, there's been a whole lot of movies following that same theme, young adults either in college or young adults in high school who have some supernatural issue which they get involved in in some way and then people start dying mysteriously one after the other until you finally figure it out at the end what the problem is. And I think this is no different. They've taken all the elements of that genre and kind of stuck it together, tried to give it that Final Destination feel. One, one scene actually mimics in many ways what happened in a Final Destination movie. Yeah, I agree. Um, so there's, uh, you know, I think that it takes a lot of... Uh, um, it, it definitely takes a lot of its the story and a lot of its um, a lot of its background is from other movies in the genre. But not just that. I mean, you said the hour the movie was an hour and twenty three minutes. Hour and twenty minutes. Hour yeah. and twenty minutes. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is I remember feeling like the movie was longer than that. It wow. felt longer. Eight, Eighty minutes is pretty short. It's pretty no, <laughs> hard to get I'm shorter saying. than that. In the I, I mean, I thought the movie was at least like an hour and forty. Oh. Like, that's how it felt. Like, well, it wasn't longer than two hours, but it felt like it was longer than an hour and a half. Right. So, I mean, that says something when a movie feels longer and it's only an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, that's not obviously great. That's not obviously great uh, as well. So let's just go ahead and turn to it right now. Uh, what did you like most and what did you like least about the movie? So I thought the the thing I liked most, I think, it story had some potential. And you had said it before. It's because they try to... Uh, 
kind of bring something new, which is the mythology of the demon. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's been done. But like the idea of it was good because I don't think, you know, there's really been that much about like a demon that kind of uh, takes you over, controls your mind, like, and the whole idea that, you know, you are not in control. Like, mm-hmm. I thought it had a lot of potential. Sure. So that's what I like the the most about. Well, it. I mean, it, it, I mean, in many ways, this was taking possession horror and adding it. I mean, because you've seen possession horror, horror right? Right. Yes. This, this is a this basically should be its own genre at this point. But it's taking possession horror and dumping it into young adult slash you know, final destination field. So I, I kind of right, feel like this it, is it, amalgamation it of But things. it wasn't, yeah, it definitely is. But it wasn't a possession horror where, you know, you're talking about like... Uh, like uh, right, like, like an exorcism. exorcism. Yes, right, right, right. Like not, it, not that serious. It's not that kind of, you know, it's just, you know, like folklore, yeah, demon, which right. has also been done. Sure. But, you know, they try to bring this in and I thought the potential was there. Sure. I just don't know if it kind of met, like, all the it, didn't, it didn't execute yeah. the way you wanted it to. Now, interestingly, um, all the actors in here, many of them actually, um, Alison Gorski, who played Michael, Anna Telfer, who played Joe, Michael Pare as Detective Al, who doesn't get a last name, he's just Detective Al. Um, they were all actually veterans of Asylum, which is actually a uh, movie studio that makes mockbusters. They basically make uh, fake, like not fake, I should say rip off movies of popular movies that are blockbusters. <laughs> so like, you know, Allison was in Battle Star Wars. So they basically combined Battlestar Galactica and Star Wars into one horrifying uh, bad um, rip off movie with very low special effects uh, at all. And uh, Michael Parry was the uh, the main guy in Top Gunner Danger Zone, clearly a rip off of Top Gun. It's kind of interesting because, you know, they have a studio that makes kind of, uh, plays on popular movies, right, right? Right. But like porn does the same thing. Like yeah, they okay. make, <laughs> well, they okay. have a whole studio dedicated to making, you know, ripoffs of popular true, movies. True, true. <laughs> but but these these actually don't even have the production quality of porn. I don't think. And 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 uh, their entire reason for being is so that people will accidentally rent them. <laughs> You know, instead of renting the real movies, like you're looking for Top Gun, you're actually like, oh, there it is, Top Gun or Danger Zone, and bam, oh my gosh, what the heck am I watching? You know, so or oh look, I love Star Wars. What's this? Battle Star Wars? Yeah, uh, I think they're like maybe if I like Star Wars, I would like this. Like so, Battle, right? And, yeah. the, and the movie posters always look great. Uh, <laughs> it's just a movie that looks like crap. But anyway, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting that a lot of the so these are veteran actors and actresses. It's just that they were not really in high profile shows. Although yeah. Alison uh, Gorski was in um, Obliterated, that Netflix TV show uh, that came out recently that actually was that actually uh, rated pretty well, but uh, got canceled. So mm-hmm. uh, her big break gone. Uh, maybe this is this is it. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, so what I liked most about it, of course, was the short runtime. I thought that was appropriate for the story. And, and, you know, there were a couple twists near the end, which I thought were fine. You know, at least there was something. It wasn't just like, you know, it wasn't rote. There was some something at the end. Uh, and it kind of left you hanging a little bit. I thought that was, you know, in, in, in as, as a good movie should in some ways make you think a little bit. Um, I'm not going to give it too much credit, but it did do that. Um, and what I like least, of course, is that it didn't really explore or significantly explain the mythology that they relied on for the events that occurred in the movie. They just kind of said it is, and just trust us, you know, 
And, well, it was an hour and 20 minutes. Right, so I didn't really have time for that. But I, I feel like it would be weighty. It would have more weight if they, if I actually believed that this was true mythology. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, no, and I And that's I why movies like The Exorcist have weight, right? Because it's based in Catholicism, and there is some weight there because you're like, oh, maybe this is real, right? Because there's some basis here in reality. They didn't really do that. Um, and again, maybe it's because of the short runtime. You already felt it was too long. Yeah, so I, not long. So I get it. I get it. Uh, and I ultimately didn't think it wasn't something, as we've said a couple times now, that we hadn't seen before. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the scare meter here. Zero to ten. Zero being, um, you know, my little pony. Ten being I poop my pants. Uh, what do you got here on zero to ten? Um, you know, at first I I gave it like a one. Okay. But um, I, I ended up giving it a two because okay. there were some scenes, some aspects of the movie, like you said, that I thought they did a good job on, like the sleepwalking and, yeah. you know, the the symbol like and you're kind you kind of wonder like what is this it's kind of creepy yeah so like those things um uh i thought they added they added uh something to this movie some element of tension yeah Yeah. so i was i gave it i ended up giving it a two because it wasn't not scary and i think maybe for the average viewer if you know you are into possession or something you might find it you know a little bit more tense Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I gave it a three. I'm kind of in the same boat as you, although a little bit more. A handful of jump scares that are relatively effective, mostly predictable, though. And I agree. I think the tension they built at the beginning of the movie had a lot more. I mean, in many ways, they it felt like the beginning of the movie was better than the end because they built a lot of tension around it. And there was some mystery uh, at the end. It was a little bit. I, mean, I don't want to say schlocky, but it was kind of like things were just kind of happening. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, and I think that's the thing, though. One of the things I didn't like is that, you know, one, like we said, it was something that we did see before. But also, you know, like I thought the ending was predictable and I wish they had gone the other way with it. Right. And it was like uh, it was a little disappointing as the movie goes on. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, so as far as Rotten Tomatoes is concerned, there is no consensus, but on seven reviews from Tomato Meter, it's got a 43%. Uh, did not have enough ratings to get an audience score, so we don't know how the audience feels about it. Uh, let's give you, uh, let's give us a star rating, zero to four for you, zero being the worst, four being the best. What do you got? Um, I gave it a 1.5. 1.5, yeah. okay. I gave it a two. I mean, I guess we're kind of in the same boat. Yeah. I, I think ultimately at the end of the day, I found the movie mostly derivative. But in a don't take it too seriously way, I found it entertaining. Yeah, I mean, if you have some time and you you're like you ha- don't have anything to watch and you like horror movies, I I would say like yeah, yeah it's give an it hour a shot. Twenty minutes. It's not. It's like a long episode. It's you know? not terrible. The acting's good, not great. Right. Uh, the story's pretty predictable. Yep. And I, but like at the same time, it's 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 not a terrible movie. No. And it's, I I know that's like a not a great thing to say. Well, it's, it's just, it's just, <laughs> but, like you said, it's not memorable, but it's fine. Like, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. okay. I'm okay watching it for the hour and 20 minute runtime. Right. I think it's just another light YA supernatural horror thriller um, with a lot of the same trappings you've seen before, but yeah. that's okay. That's yeah. fine. Sometimes that's good enough. Yeah. Sometimes that's all you need. To, right. And you know, you have, when you have some downtime and you don't want a movie that you have to think too much about, like this is definitely that movie. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and move on from that. And as, uh, the, the movie we're reviewing, of course, was The Puppet Man, which is available on Shudder and on AMC+. So with that said, let's go ahead and ring the boxing bell on that part of the show. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was not meant to be a reflection 
of what we felt about the movie, okay? <laughs> or us. That was not even a question of us. And I like to say that if you're a person that doesn't have a lot of time and, you know, you're, like, looking to, for something to watch and you don't have anything, I don't know if this it would be the movie for you, but, you know, if you don't like reruns and there's, you know, you don't have anything, you might want to give it a shot. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right. Let's turn to those prop bets that we dare to make in Super Bowl 58. All right, so why don't you get us started here, Joanne? What's your first pick for Super Bowl 58? Um, I picked Isaiah Pachenko at uh, 67.5. Uh, he's the uh, running back, and I said the over. On 67.5 rushing yeah. yards for Isaiah Pachenko. Okay, why is that? So uh, basically, I picked Isaiah Pachenko because uh, the 49ers have allowed an average of 159 rushing yards in two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the postseason. In the postseason. In the mm-hmm. I'm I'm talking about the postseason. And the he they allowed the Detroit Lions to have 182 rushing yards. Yeah, they really didn't show up that so, day. So I I mean like they they're kind of sitting on the bottom in the postseason against the run. And Isaiah Pachenko who had 935 rushing yards during the regular season. Yeah. But you know uh, in the last three games, he's averaged 84.7 mm-hmm. rushing yards in oh. the postseason. Okay. So I just think with like the 49ers weakness, unless they've done something to, you know, shore this run game, mm-hmm. I don't see how he can't reach this uh, uh, 67.5 and blow it out of the water. Okay. I just don't see it. So Isaiah Pacheco over 67.5 rush yards against the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. Interesting. I like it. Um, all right. My first pick is actually also with the Chiefs. It's Marquez Valdez-Scantling. The over-under is at 19.5 receiving yards. And I will take the over on 19.5 receiving yards. So the 49ers have the third best run defense this year, but they haven't been showing into postseason, of course. Yeah. But they just have the 14th best pass defense uh, this year. So we can assume that Andy Reid and the Chiefs will scheme to take advantage of that. And although Travis Kelce and Rasheed Rice will be the primary beneficiary of those receiving yards, Marquez Valdez-Scantling has been the Chiefs' primary deep threat, and I expect the 49ers to try and take at least Kelce out of the game. So I like MVS to get a few targets in the Super Bowl. And a few targets is probably all it's going to take for MVS to meet this prop, as he's averaged 15 yards per reception during the regular season and 21.6 receiving yards per reception in the postseason. So each reception, I mean, two receptions, one reception might do it. (laughs) Two receptions might do it. In fact, he also averaged 19.7 receiving yards per game in the regular season and averaged 36 receiving yards per game in the postseason with 38 receiving yards in the AFC Conference Championship game against the Ravens and 62 receiving yards in the divisional round game against the Bills. So spoiler alert, in sum, all those numbers, more than 19.5, I am taking the over for MVS and 19.5 receiving yards this weekend. Mm. All right. Yeah. Um, my logic for the next one is pretty similar to yours. Okay. Because um, I've picked uh, Juwan Jennings. All right, Juwan Jennings. Yes, uh, the 49ers. And it's kind of very similar logic to yours because you know, like, he's not the number one or even number two target. Right. But – 
you know, I think that's what gives him the edge, just like, you know, uh, MVS. Like, mm-hmm. that's what gives him the edge, because everyone's going to be protecting and defending that number two, number two target. And sometimes the number three kind of slips through. Sure. And that's what gives them the opportunity. So, Juwan Jennings, um, in the, uh, la- out of the last two games, mm-hmm. um, he has had kind of a mixed uh, mix bag like mm-hmm. against Green Bay he had six targets five reception for 61 receiving yards sure. but against the Lions he had only one reception for eight yards yeah. out of two targets that was so I mean you real it really just kind of depends how they use him mm-hmm. and I'm thinking like Kansas City in the past three games have a has allowed 209 passing yards mm-hmm. which you know is of course, it's, that's gonna that number right is gonna out, be blown sure. out of the water. Yep. But um, in the regular season, Jennings totaled 265 receiving yards, but averaged 22 yards, you know, per game. Okay. So that's higher than his projected 14.5. Mm-hmm. And then as well, like in, I just think like if uh, the 49ers could get uh, Jennings involved, right. I don't see how he could beat 14.5. How, like, how he can't beat How he can't, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. because, like, you know that they're going to be um, uh, defending. The like, Debo Samuel, uh, Brandon Ayuk, Ayuk. Yeah, George Kittle. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't they, right? They think that's the threat. Like, and you got you have to pick and choose who you go. So it's really going to be up to Brock Party to see if he could find Jennings mm-hmm. and get him that ball. Sure. Yep. And so you're going to take the over for Juwan Jennings on 14.5 receiving yards this weekend. I like it. Um so along with that, I also a 49er related to your last prop bet who I uh, I'm looking at for my second pick and that's Brock Purdy. His over under for pass yards is set at 245.5. I am taking the over for Brock Purdy on 245.5 passing yards. Now, I suspect the Chiefs will focus on stopping Christian McCaffrey. I mean, it's clear he's been an absolute beast this season, and in the postseason, he's put the 49ers on his back in order to get them the uh, win against the Packers and the Lions. So I, I really do think that the Chiefs' job one will be to look at how they can take Christian McCaffrey out of the game. That being said, even on mediocre days, and I mean the last two postseason games, Brock Purdy has met this prop. He's had 252 passing yards against the Packers in the divisional round and 267 passing yards against the Lions. Not to mention that Purdy averaged 267.5 passing yards per game in the regular season. Again, all those numbers greater than 245.5. The Chiefs have been good at putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks in the postseason, and that might be a problem for Purdy. Uh, We've seen the defenses get at him, but you can be sure that he'll have plenty of opportunity to throw the ball in a game that the 49ers are favored, but you can be sure he'll have have to throw the ball to keep up because the Chiefs offense have found its mojo in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, I don't even understand why the 49ers are favored. I mean, during the postseason, they, uh, outside of Green Bay, they they kind of struggled, they, right? They struggled, they struggled against Green Bay. Too. And, I mean, they had to come back from the fourth quarter being five, more than five down. I mean, that's and, something. And, like, the Chiefs have not struggled against any of their games. So it is just very strange that – the 49ers are favored, the yeah. The 49ers are favored. It's like it bulletin no board sense. material. Yeah. I mean, you know, interestingly, it started as a 2.5 point uh, favorite. Uh, now they are a two points favorite. So people are, tend to be betting, I guess, against them uh, on the Chiefs of the spread. So oh, I'm sure, yeah. I, it, it is surprising to me that they uh, give give the 49ers the edge 
here in the Super Bowl. But seeing as how the, the Chiefs, I mean, they have such experience in Super Bowls. And, and not only that, but, you know, all in all, if you compare Brock Purdy to, you know, Patrick Mahomes, right? right? right. There, there is no question. Patrick Mahomes is the better quarterback. And versa, if you, I think if you were to put Christian McCaffrey and Isaiah Pachenko against each other, you, uh, Christian McCaffrey would be the better running back. But at the same time, you're right. Like if, if Kansas City could take Christian McCaffrey out and they're just daring Purdy, well, you got to do it in the air. And we're betting that you can't beat our quarterback. Yep, that's that's absolutely right. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Now, of course, you know, with Brock Purdy, you mentioned Joan Jennings. He has a, the opportunity to get involved. He also, as we said, even though they'll be trying to take them out of the game, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, oh, George Kittle, and and they and CMC. can definitely get the they could definitely get them the ball. And he's going to be throwing the ball to CMC too, because you know he's an averaging um, almost thirty five yard, receiving yards per game. So I mean, I, they have the weapons out there to win. Right. They definitely do. It's just whether they can get it done. I mean, right. I, look at look at Baltimore Ravens. I mean, well, they, they, were, they absolutely collapsed. They were the number. I would think most people would consider them number one team during the regular they season. They were favored, and, absolutely, and they just collapsed. Yeah. Like you would not think that they were the number one team during well, that, the regular that season. That one, I blame the offensive coordinator for going away from the run. Six total carries in front of the number one run, ranked run t- rushing team in the NFL is absolutely criminal. That being said. All that being said, I think this is going to be a competitive game between the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. I think so, too. I think that the Chiefs will probably keep a little bit of an edge in scoring here, and the 49ers will have to keep up. Uh, and I think that means Brock Purdy will easily surpass 245.5 Oh, me, uh, yeah, I, I think he will definitely exceed that. I think both quarterbacks will probably exceed that number. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of our show. Let's hit the air horn on the show. All right. So, Joanne, why don't you give us your social media so people can follow you? It's at Kung Fu for you on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter. Yep. And you can make sure to follow her and let her know what you think about her pick. We actually were pretty good in some picks earlier. We had just the dares earlier and the, uh, I think it was the, was it the wild card round, divisional round. I want to say divisional round. Yeah. Uh, we, we were three out of four. Yeah. You were two out of two. I was one out of two. That wasn't so bad. Yeah, this year, I mean, it's just been a roller coaster. You just don't know what's going on out Yeah, there. but I have some faith here in the Super Bowl prop test. So, any, at any rate, you can find me uh, on X at FD Garbage Time and on Facebook at Football Garbage Time page. As usual, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. We'll be back next time with more horror movie reviews and prop bets. And until then, watch those horror movie scares, make those NFL prop bet dares, and enjoy Super Bowl 58. Good luck, everyone.